I don't know how to play guitar, but I like to pretend. I am Scott. I'm a heathen. I am the sober heathen. And this is another impromptu uh, podcast, uh, video, whatever the fork you want to call it. I'm a little bit fired up, um, fired up about recovery, fired up about uh, what's happening to me in a couple days. Um, It's going to be a milestone that I've never hit before. Um, It's going to be six months of freaking sobriety. And um, that doesn't sound like a lot to the people on the outside that don't understand Um, addiction. Six months ain't shit. Some people, um, some people, it's an eternity, and I'm one of those people that it's an eternity. I'm just trying to get a week. Um, when I was deep into it, um, seemed like uh, an impossibility. Getting a stain, you know, there would be times that I would be on the couch at my grandma's house, um, pouring sweat, just aching all over, tossing and turning, uh, just coming in and out of consciousness, waking up. And and puking until there's nothing left, and then continuing for hours to dry heave and dry heave and dry heave and dry heave, and the body just hurts. You just want to die. And I would remember looking at the clock and just be like, "Please, just let me sleep. Please let this stop." And then, like six hours later, how can I get some money? How can I get my truck keys to get to the freaking store to get me some more alcohol? If it was even six hours, it depends on how long it took. Uh, for me to feel just a smidgen better instead of dry heaving every 15 minutes when I got to dry heaving every hour, not being able to keep down even fucking water. um, You know, once I got to a point where I could drink a little bit of water, I wanted to drink again. Um, So six months is a big deal for me and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Um, Weather's supposed to be crap, but I don't give a shit. I drink in any weather. I drink and drive in any weather. Uh, this disease doesn't give a shit. Uh, the whole reason for making this podcast, uh, you know, never going to say names. It's an anonymous thing. Um, but there's somebody that I know that is, is I don't know. I don't know him, but I know him so well. I've never met the person. I've sent him a couple messages on Facebook, and that was about it. But this dude is in a in a bad way, and he's not the only one. And that's why I want to do this podcast. That's why I do the social media about recovery. Um you know, I, it, it's important. It's important for people to know. And I know a lot of people aren't going to listen to this that uh, don't um, have some sort of investment in recovery, or at least they don't yet. Um, it's For me, it's, it's like the first guest was Laura on the podcast, and she's Al-Anon. That is somebody who was married to somebody that was going through uh, the disease of alcoholism. And uh her story is just important as everybody else that I've had on here that's gone through the addiction itself, because this is unfortunately, you know, you get as a lot of diseases, it does affect your family as well. And this one appears to be something that is 100% self-inflicted and, 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 and to an extent it is, but as the big book talks about it, it is an allergy of the body. <clears throat> and uh, I went to see a counselor yesterday and he he really was driving home the allergy of the body that not everybody has as the, uh, as Bill W talks about in the big book of AA um, it's an allergy of the body. 
people who are not alcoholic don't have this allergy. And this allergy is once you take alcohol in, you cannot stop essentially is what it is. Um, I do believe that I had a choice earlier on in my, uh, in my drinking days, um, in my early twenties, I could stop if I needed to. Um, but a lot of times I still didn't, I overshot almost from go. Um, and I overshot from, uh, let's see, 2004, when I turned 21, 2003, whatever it was, um, I overshot all the way up until, um, well, I mean, realistically seven months or uh, six months ago, but, um, it just, it's a progressive disease. It progressively got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, the farther I went along <clears throat> and the consequences didn't stop me in 2008, I rolled my car. And if you listen to my story, um, I talked about some of this, so I'm going to try not to rehash for those who actually listen to this on a regular basis, but I rolled my car into smithereens. I didn't recognize it when I went to get my stuff out of it. Um, that stopped me for just a short period of time. And, <clears throat> I got right back into drinking, but I just stopped driving as much. I had a good friend of mine that uh, he was single and I was single and he would pick me up and he wouldn't drink and drive my drunk ass around and we'd try to pick up women. We were terrible at it. Um, but alcohol made me think that I was pretty good at it. But anyway, um, so then in 2018, I got my second OWI, ended up in jail, um, ended a marriage and, uh, you know, jail sucked. Uh, you know, I, I had to spend, uh, five weekends, uh, as part of my sentence, which I mean, people that have been to jail that are real badasses. let's, let's put the cold fingers up there. Oh, for real five weekends. Oh shit. There's people out there that'd be like, Oh, I could do a county year standing on my head. Well, you know what? That's not something you put on your fucking resume. That's not something to be proud of spending a weekend in jail sucks. I don't care who you are. And if you want to pretend that it's fun and that you're in there with your people, well, then you have more issues that you need to work on than um, just being in jail. Uh, so as a person that's, as being the alcoholic, I don't remember a lot of things that I've done. Um, I don't remember a lot of the pain that I caused because I was probably passed out or completely gone when it was happening, um, you know, when loved ones are crying or upset, uh, kids were neglected. You have to remember that as if you're somebody that's on the outside or trying to deal with somebody that's in the middle of an addiction, they don't remember half the crap. And I know you're like, well, not my problem. Well, no, it's not your problem, but it, I'm trying to give people that are dealing with this stuff some insight. Okay. That's not an excuse. And that's, you know, he don't remember it. So he doesn't, it's not his fault. That's bullshit or her fault. Um, that's bullshit. It absolutely is. Um, but it's just things that, that you have to, you have to realize and understand in order to work through this. And just as much as an addict can't ignore their addiction, they have to work on it every single day, do something toward their sobriety every single day, or it's going to collapse on them. That foundation needs to be built every single day. The people who are the Al-Anon people, the people on the outside that are dealing with it have to do something for themselves every single day. And ignoring the problem is not going to solve anything on either end. Okay, so you have this individual that you're connected to, especially when it comes to um, a wife or husband or ex-wife or ex-husband or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever that you share children with. You're going to be with this person one way or another. You're going to be involved in their life because you share children. So uh, my ex-wife is going to be stuck with me 
for the duration of our lives because of our children. And I think it's uh, going to be a better relationship now that I've, I've turned a corner. And that does not mean that six months means that, oh, you're free to go. If anybody tells you that it's in recovery. Um, and I might as well hit it while I'm here. Once you get to a point where you have multiple OWIs, multiple jail stays, it is a problem and it is something that will never go away. So unless science, as the big book says, unless science comes up with a way to give a pill or a shot that cures you of your addiction, your allergy to alcohol, you can never take a drink again. There is no excuse. If somebody is got three, four, five OWIs, especially when they're back to back, uh, close like me, there is no chance in hell that I could ever go back to drinking alcohol. If I do that, I might fake it for a while. I might fool people for a while, but I've tried that. I've been there. I've done this show enough times, not this show, but the alcoholic show. I've done it enough fucking times to know that it goes right back to where it was very, very quickly. And if you ask anybody in the rooms of AA, they will tell you the same thing. It goes right back to where it was, where you left it. You might be strong enough to fake it for a minute, but it doesn't fucking matter. Okay. I faked it pretty good. Um, with my ex-fiance, we would drink normally together here and there, or I would make it appear that I was drinking normally with her um, and then drinking things uh, when she wasn't looking or sneaking out and grabbing things. Um, so it looked like I only had a couple beers and, oh, yeah, there, you have no problem. See, I remember going one time on a golf outing uh, with my best friend and uh, he's uh, he says to me, We're, we bought, I don't know how many beers we bought and we put them in the case. I only had like a couple. and of the beers well, I had a couple of the beers and I remember he made a point he got a little buzz on him and he's like yeah see dude you don't have a problem man it was just because of the marriage you were in you're unhappy and this and that totally doing the bro thing placing the blame somewhere else and meanwhile while he was messing around on his phone I would be digging through my golf bag looking for whatever I was trying to pretend I was looking for but I was pulling out the half pints and sticking them in my pocket and going to the portage on and, and chugging them or taking quick hits while he wasn't paying attention that is the disease. That is where it's going to be for me for the rest of my life if I go back to alcohol. So what do you do? And I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning again. What do you do if you have somebody that's in your family that you cannot get away from? Okay, so that's that's a parent, your co-parent. That's somebody you can't get away from. Um, there are some parents that cut their people out completely when they're in addiction and they throw them to the curb. I guess if you're going to do that as a parent, that's your choice. And sometimes that needs to happen. So it's not for me to make that call, but when you have family members or somebody that you're cared about, or you're tied to through children, uh, there are things that you're, you're going to have to deal with. And one of the most important things that I think that you need to realize, and I've said it before, you need to cut them off. Don't cut them out. So if you are parents of an individual that is racking up the OWIs and the jail stays because of alcohol, if you want to help them out, the best thing that you can do is go and buy them a cart of groceries if you want them to eat if they say they're hungry. If they need gas in their car, the best thing you can do is hop in with them and go pay for it at the gas station. At any time that you have an alcoholic that has not shown any strength in sobriety or length of sobriety, you hand them cash, you are handing them the next drink. Now, they should be adults and they should be able to understand that, hey, look, you're doing something kind for them. 
but it's it doesn't matter about adults it doesn't matter about the love that they're supposed to have for their kids or you or whatever that isn't in the forefront of their mind that love is still there it's as strong as it ever was for my ex-fiance i love her as much today as i loved her um before i got back into drinking when i was on probation and couldn't drink even though i still did um and had some close calls uh but you know, I was mostly sober when I asked her to marry me. I loved her with all my heart. I love her with all my heart right now in this very moment. None of that fucking changed. I love my kids with all my heart. That never changed. But the obsession that comes with addiction takes over. And it and it does it sounds like you're like how, that doesn't make any sense. How can you love somebody with all your heart? Well, you're not dealing with the addiction. Addiction is in the forefront. Okay. I could make the decision. I remember when my kids would come over on the weekends, I'd get them every other weekend and I would make the decision and I would tell myself, no, you're not going to drink. No, you're not going to go to the store. You have an excuse to go to the store right now. You're not going to go because you go drink. But the moment that the opportunity ends up happening, whether I create it or it's just like, Hey, can you go do this? Sure. The moment you get away from that house, that disease is like party store, get there, go there first get it done, hide the alcohol so you can get the drink. Your main objective, I just hit this, your main objective as an alcoholic is to get that drink and protect it. That's why you make up things like I did. Uh, you make up things like you're tripping over a cat and trying to make people think that you have some sort of brain damage or brain malfunction going on. That's sick. That is sick. Because I was sick. Very sick. And the people that are going through this stuff, they are sick and they need help. Now, you get to a certain point with the cops. Uh, I mean, look, it took two and a half years for my OWI in 2020 for me to get sentenced to that. And then they put me in uh, jail for two months, two and a half years later. So if you're looking at something that's a little more fresh, I mean, I went to jail for 30 days for my fourth offense, but they dropped that to a, or my, excuse me, my it was tech. It's a shit show. Okay. So in 2020, I got my third. In 2022, I got my fourth. My fourth was sentenced before my third. So my fourth was dropped to a second. <laughs> and then my third, they give it to me as a third. So my third was a third. And for the fourth that was dropped to a second, I got a month. And for the third that stayed a third i got two months and that was pretty good but i had also went to treatment for 250 days um in between there and then for the other one i um, when it happened i went into treatment for 32 days before my sentencing so if you're going into this stuff and you don't have any kind of show like meetings or a sponsor or any kind of plan when you walk into the courtroom it's going to be not good um I'm not trying to scare anybody but you fear sometimes is helpful um obviously it didn't stop me i knew i hadn't been sentenced for my third one yet and i was passed out in my truck drinking and got my fourth owi that didn't stop me so i guess the meat and potatoes of this whole thing is they still do love the people that they say they love that that is true if they were capable of showing love in their sobriety or their sober times, whether it was minimal or not, 
if they were actually capable of showing you love and you could actually truly feel it and, th- and, and believe that it was authentic in the sober times, then I can say with some confidence, speaking for myself, I guess, is where I need to stick. In my sober times, when I told uh, my kids and 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 my ex fiance when I told them that I loved them, it was sincere and it was authentic, and I meant it every single time. But evidence would suggest otherwise when they come back from going wherever and they find you passed out in the basement or in bed or on the couch. I kind of started to talk about, too, if you were somebody that is going through this with somebody from your family or uh, through um, co-parenting, you can't just ignore it. You can't just not talk about it. If you don't want to go to a meeting because you're embarrassed, well, I can tell you this, okay, and you're going to do what you're going to do anyway, but I can tell you that there is zero reason to be embarrassed. I know walking in um, in my early meetings, I looked around and I looked at these these people that were in these meetings. I'm like, I ain't like these people. This ain't me. Well, guess what? I was exactly like those people. Going into an Al-Anon meeting and hear other people talk about what they've went through. Sometimes you're going to hear people that say, yeah, we've been through this and we cut them off and we're done and we're never talking to them again. And then you're going to hear people come in there and say, yeah, they're back in our lives. We're we're skeptical, but we're uh, cautiously optimistic. And then you're going to hear people and are like, uh, we are so glad that we did what we did and we are at where we are at. We love this individual. It was tough. That's why we're here. We want to share our story and give you some positive, um, you know, show you that there is potential for some sort of positivity. The worst thing an addict can do and the worst thing that somebody that is dealing with an addict or alcoholic is to not talk about it. The opposite of addiction is connection. And just because you don't have the addiction, that does not mean that you don't need connection. Okay. Don't be afraid to ask questions of people that have been there and done that. My email is scott at the silverheathen.com. Um, it's coachmac81 at yahoo.com is the personal one. Um, my phone number is listed in the various places. My Facebook is always open. Twitter is always open. Send me a message. If you know somebody, give my information to them and I will tell them Um not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And I'll be as brutally honest as I possibly can. And I know other people that will share their stories too. There's a lot of help out there. You don't have to go through addiction alone and you don't have to go through dealing with somebody in addiction alone. I just, this, the story that I heard tonight, it it breaks my heart because I look at both sides. I look at, the co-parent and the children. And it makes me want to cry because I I mean, how helpless as a child. I know I was there. I was, I was one of those child, childs. I was one of those kids, Uh, my mom going to jail all the fucking time and just feeling helpless and so scared for my mom being in jail with all these bad people. Well, she was not a good person. Um, and I just said that out loud. That was a little bit of Scott stuff that he's got to deal with. Um, it doesn't make you a bad person if you go to jail because of an addiction. Okay. I said that about my mom for other reasons. Um, 
there are good people who do bad things. Um, she's a completely different story that I will not get into on this. But you can be a good person and you can be a full-fledged alcoholic or addict and you can do a lot of bad things and hurt a lot of people unintentionally, but it appears intentional. You're not a bad person if you go to jail. You're not a bad person if you're an alcoholic and you're not a bad person if you're an addict. You could be. Think about how this person was in their sober times. That person is still in there. They're just buried under a bunch of bullshit. And you get to a point in your addiction that the only way to deal with what you just did is to drink more or use more. I can't, I, I got to be careful about talking about using drugs because I, I have minimal experience doing that. But what I can talk about is my alcohol use. And for me, when I would wake up and see weird text messages that I sent or got or mean ones from people that I cared about or my ex-wife, you know, rightfully chewing my ass. I'm going to go drink because then I don't have to think about this. Then I don't have to feel about this. So at the end of the day, this disease isn't going to go anywhere. And I'm sick and tired of seeing families getting torn apart when there are ways to help. Not everybody's going to be helped. Some people are going to die before they get the help. I've seen that too. I know people, good people, good people that struggled and struggled. And then good people that tried to turn the corner and they went back just for a second and they are gone. Two things with that. It sucks ass. It is extremely sad. But unless you put the needle in the arm or you put the bottle to their lips and stuck a funnel down their throat, and made them drink it, held a gun to their head, and made them chug a fifth or whatever they're drinking, it's not your fault. There is nothing that anybody can do. Nothing. To stop an alcoholic from being an alcoholic. There's nothing that anybody could do for me to stop me being an alcoholic until I decided I wanted them to help me stop. But I had to want it first. And it's really hard to want it when you always have somebody bailing you out, both literally and phys- uh, figuratively. When you always have somebody to say, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. You had a rough childhood. It's okay. You're going through a lot. You're, you're killing them. You're killing them. I had so many people. I have so many people in my life that I love and, and appreciate. And so many people have done so many great things for me or tried to do things for me. And it wasn't until I had had enough myself and I actually gave it a half held, uh, half held. I gave it a half ass shot and then I gave it a real shot. And that's when the magic started to happen. It hasn't been perfect. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be bumps in the road. Um, you know, I started my recovery journey in 2018. I really started it in 2019-ish, 2020. But even, even then, I still ended up getting another uh, drunk driving. And after that one, then I really started. There was one time I went to nine AA meetings on Zoom. When I first started in one day, 
and I enjoyed it and I had a great time. And I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. AA is going to help me stop drinking. And it didn't, it, it didn't ultimately, I mean, ultimately it did. It helped me stop, but not in the beginning. So don't beat yourself up if you have somebody in your circle in your close circle that won't stop. Don't ever, it's so hard, but I'm going to say it. Don't do it to yourself. Well, why can't he stop for me? Why can't he stop for the kids? Why can't he stop? And I say he, he or she, why can't they stop for the kids? Why can't they stop for me? Why can't they stop for their job? They are not going to stop for any of those things until they want it for themselves. And it sounds sounds like a selfish um, addiction, which it is. And then it sounds selfish for them to say that. But if you don't give a fuck about yourself, I mean, I got out of the hospital after my kidneys were shutting down and I could not even walk. I would stand up, take a step and fall on my face. Paramagus came I had to come up the stairs. My blood pressure was barely registering. It was like the 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 high the top number was 80. I think it was either 60 or 40 on the bottom number. I mean, my blood pressure was crap, and that should scare you. I woke up one time in the hospital with a tube down my throat. Had no idea how I got there. Didn't know if I had hurt my grandmother. Had no idea what was going on. Signed myself out AMA as soon as I could and went right back to drinking. This is a this void that it creates. And again, I'm going to use my silly acronyms because fuck it, it's my podcast. This, the disease is vicious, insidious. It's obsessive. And it won't stop until they're ready to stop. So don't hang that on your on, on your shoulders. These people that keep going back and you don't you can't understand it. They don't understand it. So the best you can do is talk. That's what you can do for yourself. If you are in addiction and you don't know what to do, if you're not willing to reach out to somebody like me, um, even if you don't want to talk to me, if even if you're like, man, you're ugly and can't read good. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you. I can send you to somebody else. I'm not going to take offense to it, but I do this podcast because I'm sick of seeing people go through this shit. Families, and the and the alcoholics. I'm sick of it. You know, I I I uh, I played baseball for a long time. Thought that was going to be my life, and then playing. I thought it was going to be my life, and then I chose not to do that. And then I got into coaching for 13 years, and I thought that was going to be my life. And then I gave that up. And now all of a sudden, I'm doing this podcast, and and just here and there, people are like, "Hey, that's a, that was a great podcast. Thank you. Hey, man, your stuff is awesome. Hey, I can't wait to check out your content. Those things that mean the world to me. And so, you know, I got to put food on the table. So whatever that leads me to, I'm going to do that. But in some aspect, I'm going to continue to to talk recovery, to tell my story, to be as honest and authentic as I can. And if that costs me things in my life. Um, somebody sees a podcast and like, Oh shit. Yeah. We've seen your podcast, man. We can't really, you know, you've only got six months of sobriety in that's, uh, we'd like to see you have some more time Then fuck it. I don't give a shit. Something else to come along. I finally have hope and I finally feel like things are going to turn in a good direction 
for me as long as I don't pick up that first drink. An alcoholic has no defense against the first drink. That's from the big book. Don't try to understand it or beat yourself up or, or try to figure things out in your head. Bill W., who wrote the big book, who that thing is, I mean, from the, this is something that started in the 30s, and it's still going strong, and it's still um, very meaningful today. Many stories, um, in Bill's story, many times he talked about how he ended, found himself at a bar. He'd already been drinking, and then it hit him like, dude, what are you doing? Pounding on the bar. How did this happen again? And I can't tell you how many times that happened to me. And then once you're there, it's just like Bill says, well, I might as well get good and drunk. I'm telling you, man, cunning, baffling, and powerful, this disease is. It can talk you into almost anything. And it is just, it's terrible. This is a terrible thing for anybody to go through, both directly and indirectly. But you are not alone. This disease has been around for a long time. Like I said, AA has been around for the 30s or since the 30s. And uh, this disease has been around a lot longer than that. So almost 30 years now, AA has been kicking ass and taking names. It's not the only answer, and it doesn't work for everybody. But to think that you're alone, either as an alcoholic or a spouse or friend or family member of an alcoholic, to think that you're alone, that's a little bit of insanity on your part. Because you're not. Many people have gone through this, and they've learned so much. You need to utilize their knowledge and ask for help just the same, whether you're in addiction or you're around it. So I hope that anybody that listened to this, either for the first time or somebody that's listened over and over again, if you know somebody that knows somebody, have them reach out. My phone's always on. Facebook's always on. I mean, God damn it. I'm coming up on six months for the first time and, I have a dad in my life now that that hasn't been there, and that's partially my fault, and that's for another time. Uh, like I, I heard the words "I love you" out of my dad's mouth. He might have said it before that I don't remember it, but that's the first time I remember it. And I tell you, I mean, you know, my, my kids are talking to me. Like I, I try to let my kids go because I got some things I got to do, and I can still talk, Dad. I don't have a license. I'm not going to have a license for a long time. I got court fees. I got to pay. I don't have a job. I've been turned down for interviews because I don't have a driver's license, but I don't care. I feel better today than I've felt in years. There is hope for everybody. Please just reach out. Let's stop this. We can, we're not going to stop it. Not in our lifetime, unless some wonderful scientist comes up with a some shot or some vaccine that you can get, but we can make a dent. And if we can save one life or we can, we can slow somebody down that somebody else can save their life down the road. We need to do that. We owe that as decent human beings. And today I can look myself in the eyes in the mirror, tell myself I'm a decent human being. I deserve everything that I'm getting now as far as, um, the love that I'm getting from my friends who are amazing people, um, the respect I'm regaining from my, t- from my 10 year old twin boys. Um, I deserve all that. I also deserve the consequences that I've, uh, inquired in my drinking, but I, I, that doesn't have to define me. I can be a good person, always going to be an alcoholic. 
but I can be a good person and I can continue to try to do the best that I can for myself, for the people I care about. And this poor bastard that I've heard about again tonight, who I, I just want to go to where he's in a cage and I just want to be able to go give him a hug. Because he's terrified, he's confused, and he has no fucking idea what the hell is going on. I don't actually know that, but through my experience and what I know of others' experience, that's probably the case. And that doesn't mean that I'm saying, oh, pity this poor bastard who's drinking and driving all over the place. I'm not saying that, but he's still a human, and he does deserve... um, help if they want it if he wants it he deserves it and he also deserves to be to to have the cold shoulder too until he can prove otherwise saying sorry and and i need to wrap this fucking thing up but saying sorry is a form of manipulation without change and we have to remember that sorry means nothing after years and years and years of deception through addiction saying sorry doesn't mean jack squat and i can just see chris farley in my head now Jack squat. It doesn't mean anything anymore. If you're not a God person like me, a Bible God person, if you're not a God, Bible God person like me there, let's try to talk, right? Um, you can still have God as a point to go through and use it as an acronym like I do. Good, observable decisions. And it's not until people see you start making these good decisions they observe these good decisions that you're making that's when they're going to come around and start to say hey mate maybe something's happening here maybe 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 they maybe they are doing it this time and that doesn't mean that the once they make that decision that it's never going to be a slip there's never going to be a bottle hidden somewhere that doesn't mean that and you can be as cautious cautious as you want I just I want to help the people that are struggling and I want the people to know that are dealing with people that are struggling with the people that are struggling. There's hope. There's goddamn hope. <laughs> so know that if you are doing everything that you can, then you've done everything that you can. And that's all you need to do. If not talking to them is the right thing for you, then that's what you need to do. I would, it's easy for me to ask you not to hate people, but I don't know everybody's story. You know, you don't know the story. I mentioned my mom a little bit. You don't know my story with her. Um, Forgiveness is hard. But if you want to help this person, whoever it might be, uh, cut them off. Don't cut them out unless you have to. So you're not alone. There's hope. That's the main gist of this podcast. No idea what I'm going to call it, but uh, just had to uh, had to get on and and man, I just uh, I heard the story and I just I want to be like that street preacher. I want to go get a bucket and stand on a stand on a corner in New York and start reading from the big book and all these books that I have. Um, I just want to do all these things. But this is all I can do. So this is what I this is what I can do. So this is why I'm doing it. So uh, reach out. 
again, uh, Scott at the soberheathen.com, um, the soberheathen at yahoo.com. I got a bunch of emails. Uh, my phone number is posted on, on various things, and uh, I will answer anybody who sends me a message on Facebook or Twitter or comments um, on the podcast below. Um, if you need me to find you, you don't know how to work social media, you're not uh, privy to that. Maybe you don't do email things. If you need me to figure out a way to get a hold of you through a third party, let's do it. So there is hope. Keep fighting. We'll catch you on the next one. Good night, everybody.